Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so I saw this a couple of days ago, and it's worrisome, extremely worrisome. I just released five-year study in the United States, 2016 to 21. Shows a steady increase in the number of children seen in emergency rooms for suicidal thoughts called an unprecedented mental health crisis. Some of these kids are as young as five. How does a five-year-old child think about suicide? Why does a five-year-old child know about suicide? In Canada, suicide is the second leading cause of death for young people. 24% of deaths in the 15 to 24-year-olds due to suicide. Mark Hennick has been on this program a number of occasions with us on the issue of mental health, mental health strategist in Toronto, CEO of Strategic Mental Health Consulting, the author of So-Called Normal, also the name of Mark's podcast. And as you know by now, Mark had suicidal thoughts when he was, how old were you, Mark, 12? I would have been 12 years old when I was first diagnosed, yeah. Wow. And you attempted suicide at age 15, and you were told us you were saved by a stranger. And that TED Talk video where you revealed that has been watched millions of times around the world. That alone speaks volumes. Yeah, you know, I think that when people open up about these kinds of vulnerabilities, about even really scary things like a kid being suicidal, uh, it really touches a nerve with people. It really connects with people because it's something that so many of us have actually experienced. Yeah, so how does a five-year-old... And you've said to us before that, you know, preteens are prone, well, some, to having suicidal thoughts. How does a five-year-old even know about suicide? Yeah, there's a number of um, competing theories about why suicide happens or where it comes from. But one of the, the more prevalent ones seems to be uh, when somebody, uh, especially a kid who doesn't have a huge window of reference, right? They don't yet have a lot of life information, life experience to compare it against. Uh, but when they're experiencing some sort of either physical or psychological pain, uh, combined with this sense of hopelessness and helplessness, that there's nothing that they can do about it, that there's nothing they can do to change it, uh, and that it'll never get better. That's kind of a toxic mix that seems to be leading um, kids especially towards suicidal ideation and indeed attempts. Yeah. I remember speaking with the mom of a 17-year-old in Alberta, and her son had been uh, bullied in school and just been treated badly, and he became more and more and more de depressed and disturbed. And they tried to get him help. And, and then one day, if I remember this correctly, and she may be listening, uh, one day her son just seemed to be very calm and very within himself. The next day he took his own life. That to me is that that's a story I've never forgotten and when we when we see 24%, I'm sorry, you were going to say something there. 
No, I was saying that this is actually a, a not at all uncommon uh, progression, and it seems to be uh, that people are almost grieving their own death before they die. That they certain they come to a certain place where uh, they might give away some belongings. They might, um, you know, seem all of a sudden so much better uh, before things turn around really quickly. So I think that really speaks to the importance of paying attention uh, to these kinds of well-known warning signs. Mark, what do you uh, what do you make of this study? So five years, two thousand sixteen to twenty one. So three of the years were pre COVID, and then twenty and twenty one were COVID years. But throughout, they saw that the graph just keeps going up, and the number of kids who appear at a hospital ER with suicidal ideation. I mean, context. Yeah. So you know. What this tells me and what other data has shown before is that during COVID itself, during the lockdown period, suicide rates actually seem to decline uh, initially, uh, that people were at home, that there was a, a sort of an inbuilt what's called means restriction. In other words, people didn't have access to the same kinds of places and things that they would uh, go to or use to end their lives. Uh, so there was a dip initially. Now that things are opening back up, we're really starting to get a sense of the, the real psychological damage uh, that not only the, the lockdowns had, had caused, and that was a trade-off that, that unfortunately um, was part of this, but that the virus itself uh, seems to be having on people's brains, uh, that there seems to be a, a, a psychological and a psychiatric difference on people's brains from contracting the virus. Um, so coming out of this now, we're really seeing the, the echoing uh, effects that it has had, uh, and, and the system just can't keep up. I mean, we see stories every day about how the healthcare system can't even keep up with the, the demand that was already there, yeah. let alone this new demand uh, mm-hmm. that, we're, that we're struggling That's with. That's really today. scary. You know, when we know that uh, the pediatric side of things is not immune with Pediatric pain medication is mm-hmm. is really in short supply in Canada. Mental health issues, we've talked about that for kids, huge. So um, I have to take a break. When we come back, Mark, I want to ask you, and, and people will ask you this a thousand times, I'm sure. Let me give you this. This is the Kids Helpline, 1-800-668-6868. 1-800-668-6868. And the National Suicide Hotline is 833-456-4566. 833-456-4566. Mark, what are the chances that um, somebody listening to the program right now is identifying with what we've been talking about and seeing it in their own kids? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned some of the uh, stats there, Roy, and I think there's a very good chance uh, that some of your listeners are dealing with this because we know that uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death among uh, young people. Uh, but if you actually look at, uh, dig a little bit deeper into that data, it's the leading cause of non-accidental death. So it's outpacing um, uh, on most other of the of the conditions and causes uh, that we talk so much more about. More people die by suicide around the world than murder and war combined. But we talk about those things every day, and we still don't talk yet enough about suicide. So there's a good chance that us having this conversation is going to connect with somebody who really needs it. Well, so is it, is it because we're, our society is so different in 2022? And let's say the preceding five or six years, because that's the sort of the window for that study. Is our society so different, or was this, do you think this was going on in previous generations, just not talked about? 
No, I think this is always this problem has always been there. Um, but you know, it's it's a good thing in many ways that we are talking more now than we used to before. The problem is, I think, uh, the the sophistication of the conversation that we're having uh, publicly, anyway, is really not quite there yet. Where we're telling people, if you're suicidal, go to the hospital. Yes, that's a good thing. People should continue to do that. But also recognize the reality of the fact that that's not enough. That when you asked me before the break what this study told me, that so many kids are going to the emergency room for suicidality, that tells me that our system is failing. Because that emergency room is going to keep that kid safe. Yes, they might discharge them with some planning, but that's not nearly enough. I think parents need to be taking a more proactive intervention to their kids uh, before it ever gets to that point. And do what? You need to be able to have these conversations about depression, about anxiety, about mental health, even about suicide. Talk directly with your kids about it. You're not going to give them the idea to do it. That's a myth. If they're thinking about it, then they're already uh, thinking about it, and it's better that you know uh, than if you don't. Then if they do endorse potential feelings of, uh, of suicidality, uh, you need to be able to connect them with ongoing care that isn't just a one-and-done emergency room visit. Connect them with a counselor. Connect them with a therapist. Connection to their community uh, is one of the key protective factors. Get them volunteering. Get them involved in something. Get them caring about something. Uh, and really build a whole wraparound um, system of recovery that isn't just emergency intervention. So looking forward to tomorrow and having a sense of self-worth. Absolutely. That's so key. And feeling, making sure that they feel needed, making sure that they feel loved. But so often as parents, I'm a parent of three myself now, uh, it's easy to assume that your kids know that you love them. Uh, don't assume that. Make sure that you spend time building that relationship as you would expect anybody to build a relationship with you too. These are the ties that bind our kids to this life. How did you, Mark, um, heal. How did you, at 15 years of age, you tried to take your life. You had suicide little thoughts when you were 12. How did you heal? Who helped you? And, 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 and how have you managed? You know, it was, I've spent so much time reflecting on my recovery journey, and that was what um, a big part of what my book was for, that I didn't even realize that I was recovering until 10, 12 years into it at least, uh, when I actually looked back and realized how far that I came. So much of my recovery was accidental. But now that I look back and have gotten a little bit older, older I realized the small little interventions along the way that people would uh, do for me, you know, not just the stranger who saved my life, but the people who would believe in me or reach out to me or ask me how I was doing. It didn't seem like a big deal in the moment, but it added up cumulatively over time to change my trajectory. So that's why I think we need to, in order to prevent suicide, we need to have a whole society approach and not just wait for heroes uh, to be saving our kids. We all have a role to play. And we need to take this very seriously, more seriously than we, uh, if I may say this, uh, more seriously than we appear to be taking it. These aren't just numbers. This is not just another study to be thrown into the corner and say, there you go, this happened over five years. Let's move on to the next one. Who's vaping? We can't do that. This is this is literally life and death. Do you have, yeah. do, do you have confidence that it will be taken as seriously as it as it must be. 
I mean, I, I think I, I have to, right? Because this is my entire reason for living is to get people yeah. to take uh, these kinds of issues seriously. And look, you're right. This needs to be a sustained generational effort. It's not just a news story that this is a trend. And people want to avoid talking about matters of, of death. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. I get that for sure. But you know, there's a growing community of us out there who aren't going away, uh, who are going to keep reminding people that uh, there are those of us out there who struggle uh, with these kinds of thoughts and feelings. Uh, and, and it concerns all of us that this is a public health issue bigger than any other. So, Mark, let's, um, let's say that we have some young people, one young person listening right now and has heard the whole conversation and is having those very thoughts that you had before you were 15. What do you say to that young person? I'd say the same thing to a young person as I would to just about anybody of any age, which is not to believe everything that you think in this moment. You know, our thoughts and our feelings are important. They're valid. We need to take them seriously. But they're data points. They're just flags. They tell us what we care about and maybe tell us what might be missing in our life. But we can't fall into the trap of clinging to these things as uh, absolute facts that you need to not be here, that you can't carry this weight anymore, that nobody loves you. Those are the lies that your depression tells you. That's your depression trying to win, uh, and you don't have to let it. So hang in there. Reach out uh, to people uh, who have potentially been there, too. There's a whole network of us out there. And share your story. It doesn't matter if it makes other people uncomfortable. That's okay. That's their problem. Share your story. Open up, and you could help somebody, too. Yeah, it's really terrifying to think of children as young as five, as young as five, having suicidal thoughts. And then we look at this particular stat again. Teens are admitted to hospital for suicide. This is Canada. Teens are admitted to hospital for suicide attempts more than any other age group. Some accounts suggest as many as one quarter of all suicide attempt admissions are for teens. And that's not – they don't belong in the ER, right? I mean, as you, as you said, they'll get patched up, and that's what an ER does, but it's not the solution. No, it's not. And no, I, I want to make sure that, that parents especially know that it is a part of the system that needs to exist, that if you're, if you're concerned and you don't know what else to do, then go there. Okay. You know, nobody should avoid it. But we do need to appreciate that it's not the it's not what that system was designed for, okay. and the problem of suicide is so much deeper uh, and and needs to be taken so much more seriously than than just that one intervention. That needs to be a longer term follow up involved. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.